listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. And welcome to our three-year anniversary episode Pretty amazing that we've been running for three years. And welcome to episode number 155. And on this show, we're going to recap an action-packed Warrior Wrestling 27, where El Hijo del Vikingo stole the show. Plus, we had FTC LLC with their chicanery, and they made a lot of noise this past Saturday night in South Bend. Plus, we welcome for the first time a young wrestler who has been coming up in the Chicagoland ranks. In Freelance, Freelance Underground, and Second Wrestling, Beyond Alpha, Itzio Orlandi. And you get all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle. But what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheightstx.com or give them a call at 708-248-7039. My name is Storm Grayson and I'm your freelance underground independent champion and you're listening to the Windy City Slam Podcast. Back here on Windy City Slam Podcast and we start this episode on a little bit of a somber note, a very sad incident this past Tuesday, last week, Jay Briscoe of the famous Briscoe Brothers tag team and ROH original died in a car accident last week at just 38 years old. The accident also severely injured two daughters and they're both still on the road to recovery. But Jay Briscoe, a.k.a. Jamin Pugh, passing away at the age of 38. The Brisker brothers were an ROH original, 13-time ROH World Tag Team Champions. Very, very sad. I, I got to meet Jay and Mark Briscoe, his brother, a, about a year ago at Warrior Wrestling at Cicero Stadium. And the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, definitely applies to Jay Briscoe because they're wild and rowdy and crazy guys. They're hardcore. They're nuts in the ring. But outside the ring, Jay was a great family man, very nice guy. When I met Jay and Mark last year, they were nothing but nice, class acts, gentlemen, really cool guys, down to earth. And it was so sad when I saw that Jay had passed. And God bless to Jay's family. God bless to Mark. And hopefully the daughters will pull through and be able to live good lives after this horrific accident. And rest in peace. Jay Briscoe. WWE's Royal Rumble is this Saturday night in San Antonio, Texas at the Alamo Dome featuring two Royal Rumble matches as usual. 
the men's Royal Rumble and the women's Royal Rumble. And the fields are starting to come together. And yes, we already know that Cody Rhodes is confirmed for the men's Royal Rumble. I have a feeling he might be the guy that wins it. That would be really cool to see. Cody's return to WWE has been great. Those first two to three months where he had that series of three matches with Seth Rollins, those were unbelievable. The fact that Cody worked through the torn peck, his chest looked like a severe weather map. He got through that Hell in a Cell match and actually beat Seth Rollins, and then he rehabbed for the last six to seven months, and now he is back. I, he is my pick for the Men's Royal Rumble. I really don't have a women's Royal Rumble pick as of now. The field is still coming together. We'll see what happens. But one name that reportedly won't be in that match is Ronda Rousey. Kind of interesting to see Rousey drop the SmackDown Women's title to Charlotte. And all of a sudden, she's out of the picture for the Rumble. And then we have three other announced matches at this point for the Royal Rumble. The biggest one being the undisputed WWE Universal Championship with Roman Reigns defending against Kevin Owens. And we're going to see a lot of stuff go down the week prior to the Rumble leading up. We have a trial of Sami Zayn by the Bloodline, which should really be interesting. And how how that turns out could have a big to-do on how the Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns match turns out. And we have the Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair defends against Alexa Bliss. And now, is Bliss possessed by Uncle Howdy or Bray Wyatt or The Fiend? I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. And then we have this interesting concept. It's called the Mountain Dew Pitch Black Match, where Bray Wyatt, in his return match to WWE, faces L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight has been terrific in this little feud so far, the little back and forth between him and Bray Wyatt. Great to see him on the big stage here in such a huge match on a WWE pay-per-view. Former Impact Wrestling World Champion, always had the goods in the ring, Great promo guy. This is going to be exciting. We'll see what happens here. This past weekend, we had Warrior Wrestling 27. Saturday night, January the 21st, they returned to the Bendix Arena in South Bend, Indiana. Let's get to this show. And in the opener, Brian Pillman Jr. defeats Beastman via submission. Beastman was pounding the canvas. The referee interprets it as a tap out. And then an angry Beastman attacks officials and extras following the match. And then Christopher Daniels pinned Eli Knight in a showcase. Now, this was a match that was a mystery opponent for Daniels up until about a week or two ago. The fans on Twitter spoke. Warrior Wrestling selected Eli Knight, and he was very impressive. But the veteran, Christopher Daniels, gets the victory after the BME. Kanosuke Takeshita pinned Zachary Wentz following a knee strike in a really good bout. And then we had Max the Impaler defeating Tootie Lin after they hit Tootie with a vicious clothesline. Tag team action saw FTC LLC, Storm Grayson, and Trevor Outlaw with that dastardly Frank the Clown. They defeat the Bang Bros of Davey Bang and August Matthews. Grayson hits a knee trigger, Outlaw hits a curb stomp, and then... FTC LLC wins the match. Also of FTC LLC, the bruising Calvin Tankman defeats Warhorse following a mule kick, low blow, back elbow, and Tankman driver. And in a featured women's match, Queen Amanada picks up a huge victory over Smiley Kylie Ray via a submission. 
And now, does Queen Amanada get a future Warrior Wrestling Women's Championship match against Athena when Athena returns to Warrior Wrestling? I think Amanada has earned it now that she's beaten both Kylie Ray and Sky Blue in recent Warrior Wrestling matches. And for your Warrior Wrestling Championship, the champion Casey Navarro of FTC LLC retains the title over Buddy Matthews, winning by a disqualification. Now, it was really convoluted. It was a big mess. And FTC LLC had a big part to do with that. It appeared Buddy actually won the title and he was actually announced as the new Warrior Wrestling Champion. But referee Donovan realized Navarro's foot was on the rope as the pin was counted and the match was restarted. And then Grayson and Outlaw came out and jumped Buddy Matthews. But the Bang Bros, even the odds, chasing FTC LLC back to the locker room. After referee Donovan came too, he ends up DQing Buddy because I believe Buddy had the Warrior Wrestling Championship. And I think the interpretation was that he was going to hit Navarro with the title even though that didn't happen. And it was one of those situations where the referee called what he didn't see or just assumed, and it was a mistake. But Casey Navarro and his new pink-strapped, truly blessed Warrior Wrestling Championship, and he retains. Oof. And then your main event, and this was amazing stuff, three-way lucha match. We had El Hijo del Vikingo, winning the vacant Warrior Wrestling Lucha Championship, and he also retained the AAA Mega Championship over Ray Orus and Flamita. And Vikingo, in a move that a lot of people have already spread all over social media, Instagram, Twitter, he jumps from the top rope to the ledge of the stairs and then jumps off of that ledge with a corkscrew dive onto both Flamita and Ray Orus. Crazy stuff. And then Vikingo won the match when he hits the 630 splash on Ray to get the three count. And as amazing as the 630 splash was, I mean, it was kind of anticlimactic compared to that magical moment by Vikingo with that ridiculous corkscrew dive on the outside. Warrior Wrestling returns next month to Talia Hall. Sam Adonis, who gave up the Warrior Wrestling Lucha Championship, he relinquished that title because he couldn't appear He's back on next month's show. Will he get a shot at Vakingo? We'll see. All right. Last Saturday night, January the 21st, GLCW presented Winter Warfare at Circle B Recreation in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee. And results are courtesy of friend of the show, the punk rock prince, Jordan Cross. And then we had Tiffany Nieves opening the show by defeating Freya the Slayer. TW3 beats Aaron Arsenal, and in what turned out to be a tag team match, Jordan Cross and Manny Domingo defeat Drew Hernandez and Tony Gunn. For the GLCW Championship, we had the champion, three years running, Backwoods Brown, retains by defeating Dustin Jackson, and congratulations to Backwoods. His title reign is now well over 1,000 days. Triple Threat Action saw Ragnar the Ruthless defeat Marman and Coda Jacobs. And then Cal Hero defeats Psycho Boy Fodder. And this was a mess of a situation. And it's going to lead to Cal, Tony Gunn, and Tiffany Nieves taking on Psycho Boy Fodder, Drew Hernandez, and Angelina Love next month. 
on February the 25th when GLCW returns to Cedarburg and the special guest, X-Pac, a.k.a. Sean Waltman. Alright, coming up this weekend, we have a new promotion called All-Star Lucha Libre, New Beginning, and that's Saturday night, January the 28th at the Berwyn Eagles Club in Berwyn. Matches are as follows. We have this week's Windy City Slam podcast guest, Beyond Alpha, Ezio Orlandi, taking on the veteran Trick Davis. And in a triple threat match, we have Aaron Payne versus Angel Escalera versus Kid Lat. Trio's match sees the Golden Gods of Gringo Loco, Golden Dragon, and Atomico Jr. taking on Ultimo Maldito, Archangel Davino, and Brillante RB. And then in a women's match, we have Black Widow versus Lady Apache. And a triple threat match sees Brayton Toon versus Orion Starlight versus the Voodoo King, Mojo McQueen. Also this Saturday night, January the 28th, we have Crash Tested Wrestling presenting Ground Zero at the Morgan Monroe Hall in Hobart, Indiana. CTW Championship, the Kang, Miles Mercer, with C-Red at his side, takes on the challenge of all-day Marche Rocket. And then you'll see Chris Miller of High Society run the gauntlet, and Renee Van Peebles faces Vega Venom, and Legend in the Making, Pierce, faces the pretty psychopath, D'Angelo Steele. Plus, you'll also see more of the Lethal Lottery Tournament. Also this Saturday night, January the 28th, Premier Pro Wrestling has their taping up in Woodstock, and switching over to Sunday, January the 29th, Ileana Pro Wrestling has their matinee show at the VFW Post in Richton Park, featuring, now this is a clash of the champions, GLCW champion Backwoods Brown, faces POW Entertainment Champion Max Holiday. As far as I know, neither title will be on the line, but it's definitely a clash of the titans and one to see. Plus, you're going to see league champion Aaron Stone, tag team champions the Bro Bros, the trios champions the Workhorses, second city champion Hot Rod Daddy Andy, the junior heavyweight champion Muggsy James, and alternative champion Russell All-Time. And also Sunday evening, the 29th, PWX presents Quest for Gold, and that'll be at the North Point Arena in Streeter. Alright, coming up in just a few moments, first time guest, very excited to welcome Beyond Alpha, Ezio Orlandi. Stay tuned. Hello everyone, Maven, former WWE Superstar, Season 1 Tough Enough winner. Make sure you catch Windy City Slam podcast wherever podcasts are available. Check it out. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Brand new SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, here live at the Broad Stop in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. You can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you.
back here on Windy City Slam podcast, and we welcome for the very first time a up-and-coming wrestler who has been coming up in the Chicagoland ranks in freelance wrestling, freelance underground, and second wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, Beyond Alpha, Ezio Orlandi. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me. This is awesome. That was an alpha. That was an alpha introduction right there. You are very welcome, kind sir. All <laughs> right, let's get into it. So you've been wrestling actual matches for a little over a year now. So what actually drew you toward wrestling? Um, I uh, I liked pro wrestling since like 2007, actually, and eventually after graduating from high school, graduating from college. I wanted to I wanted to pursue it just uh, at that point in my life I think I wanted to just get it out of my system actually. So uh I was just I was just thinking like oh, I'll go to training and hopefully you know this will like put it away and and it actually sucked me up pretty well. I I love it and now I can't think of uh not being in it right now, you know. So it's I'm just enjoying the ride at this point. So doing a little bit of research, I see that you played football and were a very successful wrestler at Notre Dame Prep up in Niles. And you're actually one of the top heavy, heavyweight wrestlers in the area as a senior. So tell me a little bit about your career over at Notre Dame. Oh, uh, well, uh, our head coach was uh, Augie Genovese. He's a great motivational guy. He recruited me from my grade school and just had me just had me just had a plan for me to be the heavier guy. I think I came in there around like 220 and I wrestled in the weight class at 220. But when he saw me also playing football, he's just like, okay, he's probably going to be our heavyweight. And uh, I think I got to around like 265 at my like heaviest in high school. I ended up when I wrestled in college, I was like 295 and I had to cut weight. But uh, yeah, that was kind of the game plan. And um, I already had like eight years of wrestling experience from grade school too. I also made it like the state in grade school. Wrestling kind of uh, wrestling was nice in high school because it was it was when uh, a lot of athletes would be like, "Oh, I'm gonna try wrestling with my football," and then they would have to face me, and it would just not be a good outcome for them. <laughs> so then you uh, transitioned to uh, Loras College, where you also uh, wrestled, right? Yes, uh, I wrestled uh, heavyweight at Loris College as well. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It, it was basically like uh, wrestling like a state match uh, every match. But uh, it was fun and good camaraderie, and uh, I enjoyed the experience. Now, how did you get into professional wrestling? You were kind of telling me a little bit of a story before we went on the air. Uh, go ahead and walk me through that. So I... Just finished, uh, I just graduated college. I was still into wrestling. And at that point, I kind of wanted to get wrestling a little bit out of my system. So I just wanted to give it the old, like, try. I, uh, I, was, still in, I was still in great shape uh, because I kept working out. At, at this point, um, after I graduated college and everything, uh, there was no reason for me to be weighing, like, 295 or 285. So... Right after college, I started uh, losing weight and everything, going to the gym every day, kind of learning, kind of learned how to um, eat uh, eat right just from wrestling. And uh, uh, a, a program that's run by Connor Flayhive, uh, a guy around Niles, actually, um, he had a program. He had trainers there. They kind of taught me how to do nutrition as well. So after like two years, I finally got to around like 
215. And uh, I found myself in good shape. I was just like, oh, I might as well try wrestling. Uh, my friend that also wrestled in college, uh, Hunk Cassidy, the chief of beef, was professionally wrestling. And I kind of just asked him, uh, where do you want, uh, where should I go? Should I go to your place? And he said, uh, he recommended freelance. And that's where it started. Uh, at freelance, I believe in 2019 or 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right before the pandemic. So you actually had been training with freelance for quite a while before you made your debut then. Yeah, uh, I did that uh, strategically. I, I felt like when I came into wrestling, like actual wrestling, like I, I was listening, I was watching wrestling. I was also listening to podcasts, critiquing wrestling um, and telling all like the backstories, uh, what's going on inside the bubble, outside the bubble. Uh, I, what I've learned is a lot of people, when they get into wrestling, um, they, they may be ready to have a match, but they're not fully rounded to protect themselves uh, from injury or just making mistakes that you can learn in the training room. So I wanted to wait a full year, be well balanced enough and everything, and then like start having matches. And I thought um, ending it, uh, ending that year with like, uh, with going to the Nightmare Factory and having my first match with Dom was the best decision I could make. Yeah, we'll get to that Nightmare Factory in just a little bit. But my next question to you is this. Did the amateur experience really help you transition into the professional wrestling world? Uh, from amateur wrestling to professional? Yes. No, no, it didn't. I, I, was, I was constantly uh, told that everything was wrong or whatever or how I put a hold in or everything. And it makes sense, like, now because this is uh, – we're telling a story. We're not – Physically, I'm not physically with all my might trying to put this person down. Mm -hmm. um, there's just a difference to me than the than the actual than the actual wrestling than the professional. Especially like I can go out there with maybe another amateur, like a person that used to be an amateur wrestler, and we could tell a good story. But most people don't have amateur wrestling experience, so mm -hmm. it's like, what are we doing here? And actually, a guy who also has amateur experience and a guy like you that went through freelance and a guy like you who also went to the Nightmare Factory is Trevor Outlaw. So mm -hmm. getting to the Nightmare Factory, how did that door open for you? So I was actually thinking about going to the Nightmare Factory around the time he was going. Okay. Uh, he, ex he just executed. And when uh, he told me he was going, that was definitely an option on the table. I think, uh, I think like halfway while he was there, I was definitely planning on going there and i just asked for his experience and any advice uh, he would give me and he'd give me it uh fortunately and uh and that's how i got in and fortunately i did have like because of him i felt like i did uh have people there in my corner and everything so it was really cool so how did that experience go in terms of uh getting into was there like a pool of candidates that you have to apply how did that work you had to, you had to apply. Just fill out all your fill out all your basic information like weight, height, how often you work out, what experience you have, and everything. And then they will accept you. You know, my build and and how I go about life is probably like they probably felt like, oh, good athlete. Okay, yeah, let him in. So that that was pretty much that was pretty much it. And yeah, and I had a training experience too already. So. Yeah, who over at the Nightmare Factory was in charge of actually some of your training? QT Marshall, Cody, and 
uh, Luke Sampson. Okay. Um, Luke Sampson, and then uh, we also had uh, uh, Baron Black. He's there. Um, a, a, I don't want to even say Luchador. Uh, a wrestler named Barry, too. He was V A R Y. I believe they're all, all three, Samson, um, Black, and um, Barry are all still in, uh, still training at the Nightmare Factory at all, uh, as well. So you actually had, were part of their showcase, the fifth showcase, and you uh, beat a guy by the name of Beast of the East. I was just actually just watching this a little while ago, and you looked pretty good doing it for your first match. Oh, yeah. I also want to add Glacier into that uh, list of people. He also was the agent of that match. and. I, I really liked that match, too, uh, watching it back. I, I remember one of my things uh, when I joined wrestling was I wanted my first match to be something I was going to be proud of. And uh, I'm glad I have that, too, uh, especially the venue and my uh, what's called all the other uh, expert students on the sides with uh, like a large crowd, not not large, crazy crowd, but like a large crowd of like our family and friends. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a perfect way of getting in. Pretty cool. So going back, uh, you came back home to Chicago to freelance and you worked a little bit more at the Freelance Wrestling Academy. So what's it like working at the academy with some of the trainers that they've got? Oh, it's yeah, it's very great. I feel at home. I feel like I always come out with something, at least something of uh, value of knowledge, experience, hard work, to, hard work of um, conditioning, and all something, maybe something to do with your character too, just the mentality, uh, something like you, you feel like you can try something new in these drills and everything, everything's not a cookie cutter. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's like a home to me and it's always evolving too, as well in, in, in the right way. Is there any one trainer in particular that um, gave you the best advice over there? I'd say Isaiah Velasquez of all the trainers I've had, uh, and they're all great. I can't say one bad thing about all of them. They're all phenomenal. Uh, Isaiah, I can't remember distinctly which, like, one really stuck out, but I would say uh, most of them come from, most of uh, the advice I get uh, comes from him. And uh, he, I, I usually use him as uh, someone to bounce ideas off of or, or uh, maybe, like, some advice on some decisions that come my way. Any people in particular at the academy that you've come close to in terms of friendships, like uh, fellow trainees, coaches, and so forth? Uh, I got to say, I've been there now for a little over two years or so. It it definitely feels, it's hard to to put anyone above anyone. It feels like a big family. Like, oh, there's my brothers, there's my sisters. I feel like I end up having a conversation with everyone there. Some I talk to uh, more than others, but I, I appreciate all of them in their own different ways. Honestly, uh, every, uh, like all of them too. Uh, a lot of them get a lot of them give uh, their body to me, especially when I wasn't the most polished. And I, I can never say a bad thing about them after that. <laughs> so, what has been your favorite match over your first year in this business? There's a there's a lot of good ones, but the ones that's sticking out in my head right now, I, I want to say the storm match I had at Emporium uh, recently yep. in December. Yep. I definitely enjoyed that match. The one I I, I had one with uh, Isaiah too at Emporium. I would say like halfway through the year last year, and then I had a, a match with Aaron Payne. Uh, I'm not sure how I, I think you're aware of Aaron. 
right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I had a match. I, I had like my fourth or fifth match with him at Berwyn, and I, uh, I really enjoyed that match. That's when like, it, it also helped that at that show, uh, that was like my first time like having a one on, like a really good, uh, a really quality timed one on one match in my local area. So like, of course, like, all my family and friends uh, wanted to come down and see that. So that was like, I don't know, a huge view, like a huge view of all of them. So yeah, th those three, but uh, I think right now I I'm pushing the storm match probably as my favorite right now. Yeah. Storm is just so good. I mean, the last two to three years in this area, he's been amazing. He's had shots in WWE and AEW. He's been an extra just recently on WWE and he's just a terrific, person terrific wrestler and he's got the full package going for him right now oh yeah he's literally a horse like i i feel like i tell him every time i see him like god you're a stud man incredible you know you could definitely tell he's been doing this uh for a good amount of time and he's definitely reaping the rewards yeah, and sometimes with him with his story it doesn't happen overnight he had been wrestling four or five years before he really kind of finally hit his groove and now that he's in his groove uh He's a guy I think that could get signed any day now if he chooses. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's what I think too. Surprised it hasn't happened yet, honestly. Yeah, me too. Actually, I've been saying it for yeah. years now. I'm like, this guy's gonna get signed. This guy's gonna get signed at some point, and he's still here in Chicago. I mean, we appreciate the fact he's still here in Chicago, wrestling for freelance and freelance underground and warrior wrestling and places like that. He's just an amazing talent. But I can't wait for him to kind of cross that bridge into a national promotion. It's going to be really, really cool when it happens. Oh, yeah. It'll be awesome. So you have a bit of a busy schedule coming up for the next month or so. And coming up on Saturday, January 28th, you're going to be making your debut. In fact, it's the promotion's debut. All-Star Lucha Libre at the Berwyn Eagles Club. And you're slated to face a wrestler named Trick Davis. So what's that going to be like for you? That's going to be actually really fun. I'm not sure how aware you are of Trip Davis, but he's actually uh, been wrestling on and off for uh, 20 years. Like some of his closest people are like uh, Chris Hero and uh, like Seth Rollins. Um, he, he knows he knows like all that whole Ring of Honor like mid 2000s crew in a oh, way. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, and um, honestly, I, I I'm fascinated by him like because every time I, I he's been wrestling a lot recently or a handful recently he's start he's starting to get back into the waters and uh he's a really good technician and he's he's got like some good ideas that like i i find fascinating so i'm really looking i'm really excited to have this match with trick and see uh see how i uh do against him honestly but I, i'm really looking forward to it. i think it's gonna be a fun one and also recently you made your debut at second wrestling last month yeah jason midas at your side as your manager and you've got a huge opportunity next month at 2nd. On Sunday, February the 19th in Northbrook, you're facing Super Thunderfrog for the newly created Maxwell Street Heritage Championship. Now, he's a guy that usually wrestles a lot at first wrestling up in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So how does it feel for you, a local Chicago guy, to perhaps take home that Maxwell Street Heritage Championship, which is actually named after a Chicago landmark? I actually, I didn't debut at the last show. I actually debuted for second, maybe a couple months before, facing facing Jackson Larkin. Oh, okay. Uh, to defeat, but that's when um, that's when Jason uh, Midas 
actually gave me his card and we were debating, we were uh, contemplating on join on me joining his group. And then at the last show, I did end up joining his group. Um, oh, but you and Jackson, that was the Dirty Nelly show, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, that was the Dirty Nelly show. I totally yeah, yeah, forgot yeah. about that in my mind. Yeah. Thanks for correcting me. <laughs> oh, you're fine. You're fine. And then uh, for Thunderfrog, I actually, I actually went up to uh, Minnesota and I wrestled for first before. So I'm, I, and I, I saw Thunderfrog on the show. So I'm kind of aware of who he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a beta with a hammer, full grown man, <laughs> frog of thunder guy. I'm not. I'm worried about it, but I believe in my abilities to beat this man. Now, you're beyond alpha. I think you could pick up that hammer. Oh, yeah, I do, too. I bet I, I bet if there was another hammer, I could pick them both up at the same time. Yeah, you're pretty strong. You can't strong do that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'll be pulling for you that night uh, when you face Super Thunder Frogger because uh, you're the local guy. I want to see the local guy do well. <laughs> Me, too. But we'll we'll see. I, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. This is going to be my first title match of the year, and I feel like I'm going to be collecting some titles this year. And that there's not a better way to start than with second wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun show too. I've I've been to their shows before. I was there back in March when Billy Starks became their champion, and it's a great family experience. So. A lot of quality wrestlers coming in and out. And I think mm-hmm. Rabbi Fine does a, ter- a terrific job with second wrestling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like he definitely sees the landscape of wrestling. He, he also takes it seriously. Like, uh, he just came to our last freelance show, and he was just there uh, with friends. But he was I feel like he was also scouting as well. He, he scouts his shows. He looked at talent. He looks at uh, what's, what he wants to do. Um, I think he's that. I think he's going to start a a great promotion that's going to be around for a while. Honestly, yeah, I think he's off to a great start over the last year or so. And uh, second wrestling is highly recommended. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've also been wrestling fairly regularly for freelance and freelance underground, which we already kind of talked about a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. What has that experience been like? And there's also that freelance wrestling academy show, something to prove on Saturday, March 11th. So that's gonna be a nice showcase for your young guys. It's it's been great. It, it feels like the work pays off. It also feels like it's it's your time to carry the load. Like you have to you have to bring it. You have to perform. You there's a certain standard here of of each show, and um, you can't hold anything back. Everything's got to be crisp. Everything's got to be clean, or uh, or they're just or we're gonna move on. So it's it's a lot of pressure, but I feel good. I feel like I make it work, and I'm happy with what I've done on freelance freelance underground. And um, I'm very excited for our uh, for our academy uh, showcase. Yeah, that's something to prove on Saturday, March 11th, and that's a matinee show. And so far, it seems like a lot of the younger guys from the last two to three years worth of classes are going to be stars on that show you and trevor outlaw and i'm sure the bang bros will be on there and i just saw i believe saban gage was announced that's going to be a lot of fun oh yeah it's going to be a it's going to be a ton of fun and i bet there'll be even surprises too definitely as for wrestling what are your goals short term and long term short term uh short term 
possibly trying to wrestle, trying to wrestle uh, in states I haven't wrestled in. I, I believe, I, I feel like I've got everything that borders Illinois now at this point. Um, I want to try everything outside of that, at least like a handful of times, make some waves, uh, get some, uh, get some extra work with uh, WWE or AEW, wrestle more opponents, more, uh, different opponents from different places. Mm-hmm. And uh, win championships and win championships in the short term. Long term, uh, I think it's the goal that everyone has when they want to be a wrestler. It's uh, to be assigned talent and wrestling on television one day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or, and if not that, at least uh, making my brand big enough to make a living off this so I can do this uh, forever. Or, or at least until my body doesn't want to. But we'll see. So you can make decent money and you don't have to worry about a, a regular job, a nine to five job to kind of supplement that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and maybe I don't, I don't see me doing this forever. Hopefully uh, the long-term goal is to possibly, if I'm done competing, like uh, make, put wrestling in a, somehow influence wrestling to be in a better place than it was. All right, Ezio, uh, before I let you go, go mm-hmm. ahead and promote your social media merchandise and upcoming events okay so social media on facebook i have my own page uh, it's called beyond alpha at the orlandi for twitter uh you can find me at 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 the orlandi at the is spelled e-z-i-o last name orlandi o-r-l-a-n-d-i for twitter facebook instagram is beyond alpha at CO, beyond alpha at CO. Mm-hmm. I also have a TikTok as well. If you want to follow that as well, Beyond Alpha XO. For merch, uh, I have a pro wrestling tea store. I actually is going to get released on January 24th. So I'll probably announce it before. But uh, I actually am now uh, selling a new shirt on pro wrestling tees. It's called the Alpha Source Flex shirt. It has a, a nice uh, dinosaur that I like to imagine as me because it's so alpha. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that I think that's just gonna do well. I got a feeling for future events. I uh, I got coming up uh, actually one show before uh, one day before All Stars. I'm wrestling. I'm actually wrestling uh, the Bang Bros with uh, Sean Galloway at a show called Iron Spirit in uh, Normal Illinois, mm-hmm. which uh, I look forward to. Uh, next day is All Stars against uh, Trick Davis. That's gonna be a fun one. Uh, Freelance Underground on the 11th. I am wrestling. I cannot confirm my opponent, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> it's the uh, show in Joliet on February the 11th, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then uh, Thunder Frog, February 19th uh, for the championship. Uh, I am looking for that one. That one is in Northbrook, Illinois and on a Sunday, yep. which sometimes is my favorite honestly, for some reason. I don't know why. I like the Sunday shows. I mean, for someone who shoot job, I have to work a lot of Saturdays. Sunday shows are great because those are the ones I can get out to sometimes. And again, second wrestling will be the 19th of February at the Bernard Winger JCC up in Northbrook. Great venue, great mm-hmm. card. And looking forward to seeing Itzy Orlande at a lot of these different shows over the next couple of months. And thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Awesome.
fun interview with Ezio Orlandi. Really looking forward to seeing him at both Freelance Underground coming up on February the 11th and Second Wrestling on February the 19th. And he's a guy that's really coming on over the last year. He's got a great look, awesome strength, and you should check him out whenever he comes to your area. All right, next week, we're going to recap the Royal Rumble and begin the road to WrestleMania. Plus, we welcome for the very first time, Chicago veteran, former freelance underground champion. He's known to some as the Midwest Bully. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Mitchell. And we're going to talk about his career and an upcoming special freelance show that's near and dear to him called the Red Hawk Rumble. And that's coming to Marist High School on Friday, February the 3rd. So, Craig Mitchell joins Windy City Slam Podcast next week. And you'll catch it all right here. So long, everybody. Everybody.